0: Welcome to the Biocharisma Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Gardner. Today, we have Sophia Smallstorm returning to talk about EMF remediation. What is electromagnetic frequency remediation and why is it important to us? Man, this is so close to my heart. I think it's back into my consciousness now, now that I'm doing a parasite cleanse, And uh, the parasite cleanse that I'm doing is the Dr. Daniels protocol with turpentine. I have to tell you, though, the parasites have made their way back into my existence, mainly because of the amount of, I guess you would say, dirty electricity that I've been taking on with all the travel that I've been doing and uh, (laughs) moving to a place now that has smart meters. Now, as you'll hear in the podcast today with Sophia, uh, she loves essentially bringing up Dr. Jack Cruz. And I've, I've been aware of Dr. Cruz's information for a long time. He's a neurosurgeon that has been pointing out how we get leaky. And as somebody who has suffered from leaky gut before, I never knew that I could be leaking light. And his whole way of interpreting our photobiology is such that when we start to leak light um, and we're not leaking photons, it's not like we're leaking particles, but essentially when our luminous body continues to uh, eject light and not receive it, our body does the inverse. It, It starts to expand. It starts to get fat. And there's all these studies with grounding, with uh, doing EMF remediation, going into huge bodies of water, uh, the Wim Hof method, all these ways in which you can start to absorb the light that surrounds you. Your photobiology begets all of the chemistry in your system. And so I'm so glad that my consciousness now is back into this because it's been a while since I've actually given attention to it. And the reason why I brought up parasites is is when your body is actively absorbing the light from its environment healthily, your vibration is at such a level that the parasites don't affect you. I have I have not been doing that, <laughs> and so I have a pretty high parasite load. So now now it's the shedding of that with the absorption of the good light. So in this podcast, Sophia and I really get into it and uh, she's so wonderful. She doesn't ever speak about anything that she doesn't feel like she really has synthesized for herself, and I, I love that level of authenticity. So enjoy the podcast and I'll see you on the other side. So Sophia, you were saying how critically the people don't understand how electrical we are,
1: how critically electrical we are. Mm-hmm. And there are so many things that knit together. I mean, I can barely understand them. But have you heard of Dr. Jack Cruz?
0: I have heard of Dr. Cruz.
1: Well, I just put on my blog, Sophia You can go there if you want and show. OK, on the video I had seen. In a book that I sell, which is also featured on the front of my avatar products by my buddy, Randy Lee. Now, Randy wrote a book. He released it, let's call it a year ago, called The Mitochondriac Manifesto. And it is basically a synthesis. I w- he says 70% of what's in there comes from Dr. Jack Cruz. Jack Cruz was a neurosurgeon. And I wrote about him recently in a newsletter Cruz was an all-american football player i mean he was in shape Mm -hmm. in college and then suddenly he goes to medical school and he's doing his you know residency internship all that in hospitals and the guy balloons up to like 300 pounds yes and he couldn't understand it but he was too busy doing the work and um He ended up, I should pull this newsletter out and do a little better than a recap mentally from what I wrote a year or two ago. Anyway, he tried every diet in the book, paleo, you know, low carb, this, that. None of them worked. He just got fatter. Mm -hmm. And he was in Italy looking at Michelangelo's statue of David and marveling at the svelte and also very muscular physique of David right? and kind of, you know, really (laughs) ashamed of his own rotundness. And he realized the main difference between David's era, which I'm guessing was 1600, 1700. Let me pull this newsletter. And our era was what's happening electrically, right? Right. That's the main difference. That is the difference. And that set off a light bulb in his head. So he ends up going, okay. talk. You say something while I fish out this newsletter so I can give the best recap.
0: I I really appreciate Dr. Cruz's work because I can relate to that as a college athlete that ballooned up. My playing weight was you know, around 190, 195 pounds. And then right after I got done, no matter what I did, I bloomed up to like 235 pounds (laughs) and and I'm very electrically sensitive, but at the time I had no idea that people like, I didn't, I didn't know about grounding, even though I was just starting my massage career. And then Mm -hmm. I, I, essentially got into this whole thing of learning about the electromagnetics of our body. And I ended up getting into polarity therapy. So polarity therapy is all about how the electrical currents move through our, through our body, like, like a cathode to an anode. And that's essentially my whole job (laughs) is grounding people out, like actually taking the excess charge in their body, bringing them to neutral, and then taking that excess charge and using my my body as a conduit for that into the ground. So this is right up my alley. I love this stuff.
1: Well, good. Good. Because this book, The Mitochondriac Manifesto, can you zoom over to my store and show it? It's on the front page. Avatar products, just s- scroll down. There it is. Yeah. So, Randy has a unique way of simplifying. His book is so user friendly. You could literally open that book on any page and start reading, and you would understand what he was saying. Mm-hmm. So, biophysics, bioelectricity is almost more important than biochemistry. It's really the foundation of proper biochemistry and the mitochondria are these little organelles they call them in the interior of every cell except for mature red blood cells they don't have a nucleus and the mitochondria live in the nucleus so um, the mitochondria really are the machines that supply their job is to reconstitute atp adenosine Mm -hmm. triphosphate which is the food of the body on the cellular level and once mitochondria don't know how to do that anymore when they start to fail then your cell reverts to the cytoplasm outside the nucleus to the um that you know in an egg that would be the white of the egg because an egg is one cell if you can believe it it's the biggest cell we know of Mm -hmm. the egg And the ostrich egg would be the biggest one. So anyway, the cell then starts to make um, use enzymes to make sugars. And we go into what's called glycolysis. And that's what happens when cells turn cancerous. The mitochondria fail. They can't make energy anymore. And so the cell starts to employ enzymes and sugars and uh, goes into a very psycho, you know, major defense mode. And um I'm going all over the map, but people will understand that our mitochondria are the key to our health. If yes. they fail, we get what's called diseased, and there's only one disease, Chris. Yes, that's it. Mitochondrial failure. Yes. Whatever tissue it shows up in, and the nature that it takes on as the cells start to, you know, crumble,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, those symptoms and those manifestations of mitochondrial failure are what earn the disease name, right? Yes. So it's always the failure of the mitochondria in a particular cell type or tissue type. And then that's given a name by medical researchers and scientists and doctors. So anyway, Cruz is in Italy and he's staring at David. And this block of marble began in the hands of the sculptor Agostino, and it was actually 1463.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: Agostino abandons his commission, and then this other sculptor, Rossolino, gets the job, and then his contract is terminated. And so this slab of marble, it was kind of roughed out, sat in a cathedral yard for 26 years, exposed to the elements. Now, the way I look at it is that's a parallel to 26 years of bad lifestyle habits Once you leave your prime, right, you have to take a job and you have to get on the stick and meet all your obligations and you're not in proper light, you're in artificial light and you're just eating whatever comes in front of your mouth. All right, so... It was described in the cathedral's inventory as it lay there in the yard, as a certain figure of marble called David, badly blocked out and supine. Supine means lying down. So I say... Now let's equate this swollen, partially hacked form of David lying on the ground in 1500 to any bloated modern day human suffering from poor health and a long list of aches and pains. Yes. In September of 1501, the young artist Michelangelo put his magic hands to the marble and the svelte six-ton hero we know as David emerged to the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Cruz is staring at David, and he's going, huh, what? What's different? And he decided that the world of the 1500s was better suited to human biology
2: mm-hmm. than
1: our world. And what had really changed was the light frequencies and the energy, light frequencies and the energy. Mm-hmm. So I will read from my newsletter. This is my July, August, 2022 issue. And if anyone wants to subscribe to my newsletter, just send me an email. It's over there on my blog that um, Christopher it's is right showing. Here. Yeah, just all you have to do. And it's by, you have to do a donation. Snail mail. You, you yes, yeah, it goes by snail mail. And you can't just send me an email and say, sign me up. You have to go through these painful steps, you know, because <laughs> good things come in painful packages. So, all right, Cruz figured out that the blue light and highly unnatural electrical environment of hospital rooms and equipment had, in a very short time period, wreaked havoc on his body, and the weight gain was just a precursor to serious disease that would follow. Yes. So, this... his, he developed his own protocols, by the way. What were you going to say?
0: I'm just like the blue light thing is nuts to me because you turned me on to this years ago with the full spectrum LED lights. And then now, since I moved back to the United States, I see everybody puts these like crazy, like bright white headlights now on their cars.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's so dangerous. I don't know how any of that can pass inspection because it's so violent like i feel it almost like it's a weapon like it's a laser beam because it it really hurts my eyes like it's something that i have to turn my head away from i know
1: and if they're behind you you have to do something to your mirror to like deflect right
0: yeah and i don't understand how people can i understand the brightness aspect of it but just the danger that that does just to anybody else that's driving on the road with you would have to be so much greater than whatever the extra brightness gives you.
1: Well, I think these are the titanium lights, right? I don't They're know, z- xenon or titanium.
0: Yeah, I think xenon. I, I've heard that I've heard the term xenon a lot.
1: I think it's the xenon. I don't know yeah. why I said titanium, but anyway. So yeah. So from Randy's book, this is the crux of biophysics and light. Every cell of every organism continually emits low frequency UV biophotons, which are Mm -hmm. light particles. But when cells are stressed or diseased, they release more biophotons, which means it means they are leaking light. Okay. Uh so this idea you're actually leaking light. And people don't, it's difficult to grasp. It's very difficult for me to grasp because you think the body is all dark inside, right? Dark and wet and slimy, but it's actually full of light in different frequencies. So obesity is associated with biophoton loss. When your internal electric and magnetic fields are weak, your cells cannot retain light as they should, and you leak energy out of your gas tank, light energy, that would and should have been used for productive purposes. So basically, fat people are leaking more light than thin people, all kinds of light, which includes biophotons, infrared, heat, Mm-hmm. And electrons from food, so we those people who are in a disease state are leaking light, and it can be said that if you leak light, if you aren't using light properly within your body, you're going to end up diseased, okay?
0: That makes so, so much, that makes so much sense to me, um, yeah,
1: and I'll tell you something. I had a slight argument with a friend recently. He was saying, no, it's very simple. If you want to lose weight, it's calories in and calories out. But the fact is today that's not happening. Mm -mm. People are not able to restrict their calories and watch the weight peel off. Why? The difference is the kind of light we're living in. The calories in, calories out might have worked 50, 60, 70 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's not going to work for a lot of people now.
0: I I totally agree because so to give you just a we'll use my body as the as the case study. We bought a house in Missouri that has a smart meter. And I didn't I didn't even think of checking whether or not it has a smart meter. And no matter what my family does to like reduce our caloric consumption, as you would say, it does not matter because our body, I also look at the way I feel uh, fat on a person and I feel it on myself. It's an insulator. So if you're saying we're leaking light, that's that energy going out. So there's a puffiness, but then there's also that it, that's sort of like the body's way of saying, Hey, you're being perturbed by something from the outside. So I'm going to, you know, (laughs) make the fence grow a little bit as to protect the organs or whatever. And I went ahead and took one of my old meters, one of my old um, tri meters over to the smart meter. And it just like went ballistic. And so I, I know in reason that that that's actually peppering our body with all this extra EMF and our bodies don't really know how to handle it.
1: Yeah, we have not evolved to handle the um, new frequencies that are being deployed. So if you look at the electromagnetic spectrum, do I even have a picture of it on my desktop? I don't know. But um, I never have these things when I want to pull them (laughs) up. So anyway, the electromagnetic. Okay, so let's get let's just go to like Wikipedia. And I think there's one there that you can pull up or I could put one in the chat but I took it off my desktop recently so the electromagnetic spectrum has frequencies at the very base of it which are like um, 0 to 40 hertz and those are natural frequencies and the real natural rhythm is like 7 to 12 hertz that's Mm -hmm. how we are we are designed to tolerate seven to 12 cycles per second of electromagnetic waves. And then um, we're not, I don't think we're seeing enough. Okay, well, that's good enough if you enlarge that picture. So we have visible light. You can see right there Mm -hmm. as those wavelengths get shorter We have the visible light spectrum and we have evolved so that, just stop, so that we can adapt to and use visible light. Those waves are good with us because evolution has taken us to the point that we need visible light because we can't get around without it, right? That's how we navigate our environment. And one reason we sleep at night and we do cellular restoration and repairs and we rest is because there's no visible light, you know, we can't see much. So we have, we aren't good during the night as we are during the day in terms of navigating our world. So the rest of that spectrum is not well tolerated by us. Apart Mm -hmm. from the very bottom of the spectrum, the zero to 40 Hertz and the 40, 32, 40 Hertz, that is in equatorial tropical Storms, that's when the energy increases to 40 hertz and your cell phone and your Wi Fi is all like 1 billion, two and a half billion cycles per second. So these are energy waves that are extremely furious, fast and furious, okay. Mm -hmm. And we're not suited to them, we haven't had a chance to adapt to them. And then there is natural radiation. At the very top of the spectrum, which would be, you know, ionizing radiation from uranium and uh, radium and all of those get the gamma rays, the dangerous rays that are used in nuclear um, materials, let's just Mm -hmm. say. And where does nature put those things that emit (laughs) particles? It buries them in rock. Deep in the ground. Yeah. So it's not (laughs) like you're going to get much contact with that. No. And what breaks that rock down is um, fungi and enzymes that eventually turn it into soil. But that takes a very, very long time. So this kind of radiation is not really accessible to us until man goes and he starts extracting uranium ore and plutonium and thorium and all the dangerous elements out of the rock and starts to fiddle around with them and um, do experiments. So Mm -hmm. man has also similarly filled the electromagnetic spectrum, used ways that we aren't adapted to, to transmit data. And I don't know how they do that. I've tried to figure it out, but I don't know how they put data on these wireless uh, frequencies, but they do, you know? Mm -hmm. So here, that's the deal. We have adapted to visible light but we haven't adapted to the rest of it. Right. And we're very, very uniquely sensitive. And when we start getting damaged, we start getting fat.
0: Well, I'm right there. Um, and I know in reason, because I can actually feel agitation from the microwave band. I've always felt it with cell phones. Like I can't, ever hold a cell phone close to my head for more than like 30 seconds. Um, And I had lived in a very natural environment for a very long time and kind of resisted having a cell phone. But since back being in the United States, I know my EMF, I guess you would say exposure is much, much greater than what my body is used to. And it's kind of cool just for the inverse of that is like when I go swim in like spring water or I'm out in my yard barefoot for any given period of time, the swelling in my body goes down. It's almost like the majority of the weight I've taken on is a water weight.
1: Oh, huh.
0: Yeah, I I went to this incredible spring this weekend and I was in. It was, it had to be like an artesian spring because it was around, you know, 46, 47 degrees Fahrenheit. It was cold. So being in cold, cold water will cause a reduction in inflammation anyway, but it's, it's a deep artesian spring. And man, I felt like a million bucks coming out of the water. Like uh, we were on the riverbed for like six hours and it was just excellent. Like the, all the swelling in my body was gone. Um, I still had the excess weight, but like the, you know, the puffiness, like the redness that was out of my body.
1: Well, Christopher, your body also um, contracts in cold water. Because when I get out of the ocean, um, which isn't terribly cold right now, but it can get pretty cold at the beginning of the swimming season. And at the end of it, you look down and you go, wow, I didn't realize I was this skinny. But it's because, you know, you you draw into yourself from the cold. So if you're in 46 degrees, how long were you able to take that?
0: The first dip I was in there for four minutes. The second dip I was in there for eight minutes.
1: Wow, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, I used to do the Wim Hof stuff. I used to Mm -hmm. I was like uh, Dave Asprey turned me on to Wim Hof like 11 years ago. So I got really into doing because I was all into yoga and doing deep pranayamic, uh, fire breath. And so the Wim Hof, uh, breathing exercises just made so much sense to me. And then to be able, being a student of Schauberger, Schauberger is like, you know, in cold water, when you're around the anomaly point of cold water, which is 42 degrees Fahrenheit, that's where you get the, the most density of what he called collagens and so the your body absorbs <laughs> i know collagens is making everything into a particle which i don't believe in but essentially your body absorbs the energy state that it needs to essentially rectify itself so knowing that from Schauberger, when listening to wim hof it was like oh this makes complete sense to me i just <laughs> I just had to build up the courage to do it. And I had enough peers in my peer group that were doing cold water baths already that I kind of just bit the bullet and did it. And it was remarkable at the time I was, I was essentially had a keto diet. So it was a mitochondria, um, favorable diet. You know, I wasn't yeah. using my body with any chemicals and I had zero swelling in my body. Um, So I know in reason right now, what's happening to me is just sort of a lack of practice. Like I know that if I, if I jump back into what I've already done and seen work, I know it will all happen. It's just a matter of uh, getting up the gusto to do it. But this weekend really proved, proved it out Was just being in that cold water for that. I, I could have stayed longer too. It felt so wonderful to be in that water. That I was like, oh, this is something my body really needs to do more often.
1: Well, how far away is that cold? Not far,
0: or? not far at all. As a crow flies, it's only seven miles away.
1: Oh, you need to start going. Yes, <laughs> you need to go a few times a week and just take a plunge.
2: Yeah, and I that, mean,
1: we. This is the thing: we have to make the extra effort. We yes. really do, and it's it's not that hard when you when you weigh the the benefits. And I would say this, you know, I mean, if you have to pay yourself five bucks or even a dollar every time you go there, get (laughs) an envelope out and put the money in there and start looking at it and compare that to how you're feeling and you'll be off to the races.
0: I totally agree with you. And this is something, you know, I feel like I'm kind of a dunce because I, I recommend this to so many of my clients. It's so obvious being in the polarity therapy modality where it's like, okay, there's excess electrical charge here and that elect excess electrical charge needs to escape and it escapes through the ground. And so I'm always telling people, like, if you're near a big body of water where you can get your feet on the ground, and I, I've even gone as far as to study the different, um, the different grounding techniques i think in our email thread you and i were geeking out over the different grounding techniques for houses and it's mm-hmm. the same thing with bodies like depending on your on what type of earth you have near you and depending on what's going underneath that earth there's there's different types of grounding modalities so I, i'm i'm totally right there with you with all that you're talking about
1: well you know as As Randy and Jack Cruz say, and these are my own words, our problem is an unfriendly environment Mm -hmm. that pelts us with destructive non-native frequencies. The wrong kind of water, unnatural cloud cover, artificial blue light, and then separation from the free electrons flowing from the soil and water of the earth. And this is what you're talking about. Grounding is the uptake of the body, the body is uptaking millions and millions and millions of what's called free electron, free electron transfer Mm -hmm. from the earth itself. The earth has a very mild electron flow in its surface. And that is said to come from lightning strikes, which are the energy of the sun. Everything is the energy of the sun. Everything. Mm-hmm. All mass is created when you slow light down. You make mass. This is another Jack Cruz thing. And I would encourage people to watch that show. He's a little hard to understand, but you'll catch things from that presentation that um, now that's somebody else.
2: Mm-hmm. Blue
1: light is making you fat. But Jack Cruz is above that, and you will catch things that are very valuable. So, you know, this is Randy's book, The Mitochondriac Manifesto. I'm quoting from it. Your body is not defective. The real problem is your environment. We automatically look inward when something goes wrong with our health because we believe the defect is inside us. We scrutinize our blood work and radiology images for more proof that our body is betraying us. Any health malfunction must mean our body is broken in some way, right? Well, no. So if you're a typical health consumer, yeah, this is what makes sense to you. But your body isn't malfunctioning. And it's not sensible to think that way when you're experiencing symptoms and assume that your problem is in you rather than looking at these symptoms as distress signals in a coded language, which is your body asking for help, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So Randy says, to make it really simple, the physical symptoms we point to in diagnosing disease. So what are those symptoms? They are how the cell and tissue breakdown manifests. You have cell and tissue breakdown in a certain region of your body for a certain reason, and it manifests and it's given a disease name. He says, These are downstream consequences of our light water and electromagnetic environments acting on our mitochondria and circadian rhythms. Mm -hmm. So I know somebody who traveled in November to Rio from Southern California, Rio de Janeiro, Mm -hmm. and came back horrendously sick. Mm. And, First, you know, we kind of assumed it was the plane flight back with all the recirculated air. But I looked at the latitude of Rio. It's the same as northern South Africa. But we don't compute that. We don't think of, oh, Rio is like way down there. It is way down there. So when you go from fall in the northern hemisphere to spring coming in the southern hemisphere right Mm -hmm. the seasonal input is the complete opposite yes and your body takes this big wallop and goes what what am i supposed to do and it starts to basically freak out it starts to do a whole new a whole new turnover of cells it's preparing now for spring it thought it was going into fall Right. So that's what cold and flu are. They are a reworking of tissues to prepare for what's coming. In the case of fall in the northern hemisphere or the southern hemisphere, what's happening is light is waning, sunlight, it's getting colder and your body has to do a a re um restocking a, a new inventory of its condition in all different areas, mucosal passages, lung tissues, throat. That's what gets most of what's coming in from the environment. You're breathing in it's going into your mucous membranes, your sinuses, your throat, your lungs. And it says, okay, I have to rebuild. I have to fix stuff. And it makes you very weak and tired and gives you some nasty aches and pains, which are your own prostaglandins working in this inflammatory um, process and you have to lie down and rest and then you get better right mm-hmm. so your body rarely does anything by accident so in most cases what you perceive to be your body malfunctioning is just its way of coping with the environment sometimes the environment is changing seasonally and sometimes it's just flawed
2: right so
1: right so this is what we have to start looking at what are the flaws in our environment Okay, so I just got a call from a friend who has off grid solar. So you can go to my store and scroll up. You are on it. Scroll up past Mitochondriac Manifesto. Uh, all right, so he was interested in finding out what his solar inverter was doing. <laughs> Is electrical system.
2: <laughs> oh
1: my God.
2: Yeah, they're they're I, nasty. They're oh super my nasty.
1: god, are they nasty? So the little white meter with the two little white filters, that's my starter kit. Yeah. And if you buy that, I teach you exactly how to do readings and to understand what you're seeing. And then you can go to a friend's house with that same little arrangement. All you even need when you go to your friend is one of those filters. Mm -hmm. and show them so I sent him another meter a different one a millivolt meter Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and because the company that was going to possibly uh do his remediation with him the two top experts because he is off-grid solar he's not on-grid solar and I've never done a house that's off-grid yet Mm -hmm. so um they wanted readings from their meter which is not shown here but I will eventually feature it and they have a special plug-in filter, which is not a capacitor filter like these mini ones. It's a different harmonic rectifier system. So I sent him both those things. So he, and he called me back and he goes, it's off the charts. He goes, I, I checked just a few random outlets and I put the meter in and the meter spikes. And he said, I put the um, remediation filter in and it come the number comes down to 1300 lowest or 2000 highest now you want that number to come to under 100
0: oh my goodness
1: yes and the best he could get it down to was 1300 13 times what it should be with remediation so this is how dirty the electricity is caused by off grid solar system
0: I have zero doubt about that. I've installed full like five kilowatt solar systems. And and I've lived in off-grid homes that had these solar systems. And just walking out to where the inverters were and the charge controller and everything like that. They say it's inaudible, but like I can kind of hear the buzz, like there's a buzz that's going on. And it's like with my meter, (laughs) watching the spikes and how erratic it was, I was like, this is like the worst thing that you could ever do to the forest. (laughs) You think you're being all environmentally sound, you know, by putting solar in and between The batteries going bad. The panel's going bad. Storm's taking out your panels and these inverters failing all the time. And now the dirty EMF, it's just like, you can keep it.
1: Yeah, so I had a friend who had a lot of dirty electricity, but she did not want to spend the money to get, and this would have been cheap, to get remediation put in her house. And the little white meter you see in the picture on my store that little white meter was peaking, peaking. It was going as high as it could in the outlet in her bedroom and I, and her kitchen. I said, look, mm-hmm. you have some serious stuff going on. And what I, when I put in not just one of those little filters, but I put in a much bigger one, the same one that I sent to um, my buddy, who had the off-grid solar, mm-hmm. that thing sparked. I mean, it looked like lightning was shooting out, yep. which is not a big deal that happens sometimes but her readings were 1600 to 2000 on the meters and that's very bad for a house that's bad and they were coming down to something in the low hundreds but the other friend's house was what is it off the charts on the meter and coming down to 1300 to 2000 what was reading Um, yeah. I'm,
0: so, I'm sorry. How much of this do you think is from bad wiring practices? Because I'm a, I'm a contractor my, you know, we build homes all the time and I see like, there's a huge difference in electricians, <laughs> you know, you have people yeah. that don't use ground fault wire. They, they don't ground correctly. They won't connect outlets correctly. Like just like very basic things. And you know, we started off the podcast talking about how our body is electric. You know, a home is a system. Yeah, system has, I mean, hundreds and if not thousands of feet of wire in it. That if 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 the care isn't taken in connecting things and your circuits aren't aren't done correctly, is this what's causing all this dirty noise in the system?
1: Actually, there are several factors that will cause the noise. One is how old and how faulty your wiring is or has become, right? Mm -hmm. Second is the transformer load. So you have a transformer outside your house that usually share with neighbors. I know sometimes they're on light poles Mm -hmm. and sometimes they're mounted on the ground. And in our little community, there's several houses that share a transformer. And then there's your own house. So you get input from the utility company, what's called the substation. And yes. apparently, where did I read this, or did you tell me that that power is. It just comes in from another source, like a hydroelectric electric dam or something. Right. And then it's farmed out by the utility company and it comes in to your house at your electrical panel Mm -hmm. and it comes in as 220 to 240 volts. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then your panel splits it into two legs or phases A and B. And one phase goes to one half of your house and the other phase goes to the other half. So now the 240 gets split in half and that's how you get 110 to 120 volts, right? Mm -hmm. 240 volts divided in half, one half goes to each house. Now you get 120, 120, or 110, uh, 110. It's a range you might have in an outlet. It might be 112, right? So then you lo- you have individual circuits off those phases and you're loading your circuits each circuit is you can look at your breaker box you have a number of amps per breaker right right and if you overload that circuit if you plug in two like if i run my hair dryer and my iron and something else off one of my circuits in the old days before i had it fixed i would blow the circuit i would have to go outside and turn that thing back on because the switch would be tripped. So if you exceed the amps allowed on each of your breaker switches, you will turn that circuit off. Okay. So now that we live in homes that have TVs in every room, we have appliances, all different kinds of microwave ovens, refrigerators, sto- you know, cooking stove t- uh, countertop ovens and all kinds of stuff. And we have computers everywhere. So we have electronics that are expensive and these are sensitive electronics. And the more electronics you put on your wiring, the more you create what's called noise or harmonics. I call it a kickback. Your circuit goes, ah, what? Now I have to deal with this too? So um, you want to calm down your circuits. And the power that's coming in from the utility company isn't necessarily um, even, okay? I see you're fetching some little animal.
0: She was barking. I just had to get her to stop barking.
1: Okay. Hi, Sophia. It's a a dachshund.
0: Yeah. It's a little wiener dog. Yeah. So I was listening to everything. I just had to give her a stop parking.
1: Okay. So when you remediate your dirty electricity, we're talking about the wiring on your house. You can do it at the breaker box, which is a specific type of type of equipment. And the reason I'm selling that little white three-piece starter kit is so that you can take readings and you can figure out what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And you can also remediate at each outlet, but it's not a good idea as some of the manufacturers recommend that you buy a dozen or two dozen of those little white guys and you plug them into all your outlets. You don't want to do that because that creates more load, reactive power, and that you'll start to, I this happened to me, you'll start to blow, blow outlets out. So right. I recommend a different treatment, but you have to start with the measurements and If you buy the white kit from me, the white stuff, I do a free phone consult to show you how to use it. And then we look at the readings that you get and we figure out what you need to do next. So you can have a very cheap fix or you can have a fix that's more complex depending on the situation.
0: And you would suggest that the very first thing, the very first place that somebody should remediate if they're on a budget is their bedroom, correct? Because the bedroom is, is where you're supposed to heal at night.
1: Yeah, and again, you know, a tri-field meter, if you want to buy one, will show you the electric fields and the electromagnetic fields. So where current is supplied, you get an electric field. Where current is being drawn and used, you get an electromagnetic field. And they're both not great for you if the readings come out high. These are measured in something called Gauss. And there's another problem with electricity when you try to measure it. Every guy who ever came up with a discovery got his name on a particular type of measure. (laughs) So we have Hertz, we have Gauss, we have um, Watt, we have all kinds of people, ohms, right? Uh Um, So eventually you learn what each, uh, each term refers to. But I would say start with dirty electricity. And then the meter above that is a very basic user-friendly radio frequency meter. It has an audio output on it, and it will show you your microwave um, readings around the the radio frequency microwaves, which have to do with wireless energy. So the dirty electricity is wired, and Mm -hmm. this stuff is wireless, that, that the green meter Shows you, and you can start with one or the other. I mean, once you get interested in remediation and you actually do it, you will discover that your entire mood changes. Yes. Right? Yes. And your anxiety goes down, you sleep better. And this is why, Christopher, you're pointing out that the bedroom is the best place to start. Yeah best place to start you want to for instance if you have an electric clock that plugs in you want to make sure that's far from your bed because those little things put out the most intense electromagnetic fields which can radiate really? out a couple of feet oh yes
0: uh, uh, just a clock just like the digital harmless
1: little digital clock a horrendous those are ugly little monsters
0: I hate the light, so I've never had them. I'm so light sensitive. Like if there's any like minuscule like LED or whatever, I yeah. feel like searing me. So I I I don't have any light in the master bedroom. But mm-hmm. good uh, idea. It but I've seen like one of the things that I think has been very destructive to me is like when I stay in a hotel when I'm traveling, they have lights on everything, and of course they have those big you know side you know clocks right by your right by the bed and I thought out of all the things in the room that was probably like the least detrimental thing but I can't sleep in hotels because of the inundation of all the beeps and buzzes and like they they always have the wi-fi on and they have the you know the yeah,
1: f- know. light.
2: it's you it's- know I'll-
1: I'll tell you a hotel story. This has happened to me so many times. I used to be invited to conspiracy con. Sometimes I would be a speaker. Sometimes I would have just a table and always at the table. I had my cell phone shielding cases, which are available on my store as well. And um, I would have a big piece of uh, shielding fabric because you could show people like you would turn on that little meter um, when somebody would pull out their cell phone and you would show people if they made a call on their cell phone, the meter would go nuts. It would start making noises and the lights would flash. But if you covered up the meter, that little green meter with shielding fabric, it would go quiet. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to shield a phone when there's dozens of people with phones and the whole hotel has Wi-Fi, right? So for demonstration purposes, I would shield the meter. Okay, so I'm at ConspiracyCon, and I can't sleep a wink at night. The hotel room is full of Wi-Fi, and I'm getting no rest, and I have to be on my feet talking to people the next day at my table or, make worse, make my presentation. And I'm getting more and more irritated, and two nights have gone by, and suddenly the third night I said to myself, I'm an idiot. Why don't I use my meter and my fabric in this room? Right. So I found out using my meter that the worst area of Wi-Fi wireless that the meter showed me with the most noise and lights was right at the desk. That's where the router was in the room. And I also found that the quietest spot was between the bathroom and the closet by the door of the room where they have the ironing board. And, you know, the closet where you hang your stuff. And I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. So that night I shrouded the desk with my fabric which was a good sized piece and then I threw all the bedding in that little hallway between the bathroom and the closet and I slept on the floor and I slept fantastically
0: That's so smart
1: Well there you are right
0: That's so smart that's that's what you have to do It's it's crazy I've I've had to build for clients that were ultra sensitive And they moved to the tropics because they thought that they were going to get away from these crazy, you know, 4 and 5G towers. Right. But the crazy thing is in Central America is that they have no limits to the power, um, the amperage that the cell phone towers use. So there's not nearly as many as there would be in, like, say, a given area of populated uh, North America. But the ones that are in use, they cycle at a much higher amplitude. And so it was driving a couple of my clients batty. And so I got into making biochar for the garden. And I thought it was just, you know, something that was like really good for um, actually just allowing water absorption in the soil and things for for the uh, bacteria in the soil. But I had come to find out that pyrolyzed carbon, that's what biochar is, they, it's used in these paints that people will paint on their house. They crush it up into a powder and mix it into the paint. And that will remediate these signals that come into that are, you know, especially if you near, live near a cell tower, it will actually reflect that signal.
1: Yes, it's a shielding paint. And the brand is called Y-Shield. It's a black carbon paint.
0: Y-Shield. How do you spell Y-Shield? Y? Is just W-I? Just,
1: no, the letter Y.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Y-Shield. Y-Shield. And you can buy it at uh, lessemf.com or Safe Living Technologies from Canada. But I'll tell you something. I have used Y-Shield. I remediated my room my bedroom and made it into a Faraday cage, and it's not cheap. Y Shield is extremely expensive, and it's black in color, Mm -hmm. so you have to paint two coats, right, two coats of the black carbon paint, and because I wanted my bedroom to be white, it took ultimately uh, one coat of gray primer. I had a professional painter do it, Uh and uh, I think it was a total of seven coats, and several coats of the white yes. on top of it. So it's many days of painting,
0: mm-hmm. and it's
1: extremely expensive, and you have to replace your windows.
0: Yes. Now, so, what, what type of window? This is the big question. Like, do you have a, a specific type of curtain?
1: No, you, you can do curtains. You can do film. You can buy a film from Les um awesome. to put on your windows, or you can put in the low E replacement windows. So I had all my windows in my house replaced. It had to be done. And I was very happy to learn that the dual pane, they're called low E windows. Um, They have a a silver oxide coating on the glass inside. And you have to have a window company do this. Okay, this Mm -hmm. is not less EMF. And that silver oxide is a, is another blocking agent for radio frequencies. But here's the problem. So picture you've painted your whole room. You got to do the ceiling and you've got to pull up the carpet and do the floor if you have signal coming from underneath. All right. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's raining in Southern California. (laughs) Wow. Um, So you have... You've painted your room, you've replaced your windows, but what happens along the window frame? What are you gonna do there? Right. You can't have these. There's the Y shield. You cannot, look how expensive it is. I know. It's not cheap. So I think that's uh 329 uh that's for five
2: dollars. that's
0: five, only five, for five liter pail. Oh my yeah. god.
1: Uh, two and a half, uh, two and a half, um, no, five liters, five quarts. Yep, I have one of those still. And it goes bad. I have a whole one of those that we didn't use. And I just inquired of a, an expert why it goes bad. And he said, because the carbon settles to the bottom. And you can't it will mix. not mix. You uh, cannot, I mean, on. I suppose if I took it, took it to Home Depot, And I begged the guy to put it on the shaker thing. Right. You know, they have a machine that it might mix back, but I don't know that I could get them to do that.
0: Well, Sophia, Um, you're the colloid queen. Like, you know, all of you, you're the one who taught me about colloid. So this is, that's, that makes total sense that it would settle. The suspension didn't last that long.
1: Yeah, it lasts about a year or two, but here's what you can do with it. Um, You can mix it with a stick to the best of your ability. You can try, you know, shaking it on some kind of spindle if you have a professional resource like that or and if you get it to mix even by hand you use it as your third coat Mm -hmm. so you put two coats of the real stuff and then you throw this one on there as a third coat or I don't know you know you would you really can use it up but it's such a shame. I don't. And the thing is, I don't know who else to give this to. And mine is already probably settled now. You
0: know what I'm going to do for you, Sophia, is I'm going to send you some of my biochar and what you can do is you can crush it up. I'll I'll crush it up for you in a mortar and pestle, but you can crush it up even more when you get it and just mix it into that and you'll be fine. Because the thing about biochar it, like I'm, I'm a biochar e- expert, biochar, uh, the pyrolyzed carbon in and of itself is very inexpensive to make. It's okay. not, it's, it's not a big deal. I have my own kilns that I make. And so for me to pyrolyze carbon, like I do this for all my friends and neighbors and stuff like that for their gardens, but I'm going to get into, cause I've actually done this. I've put it into concrete. Like when I've done plaster work,
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's how I've remediated uh, bedrooms for two of my clients is I actually put it into the walls, like directly into the substrate of the wall.
1: And so it, like you would use it as a texture or something on the wall? It's substrate in between when you, the wall? When
0: you do stucco work, stucco. Oh yeah,
1: on the outside. Yeah, yeah
0: the stucco is usually, you know, three parts cement, like the actual um, binder to like yeah. one part sand. So it's a very sticky mixture. The beautiful thing about pyrolyzed carbon is carbon and calcium love each other. So when you take okay. this pyrolyzed carbon and you mix it into your concrete, you get this ultra sticky workable you know, stucco. And you can just mm-hmm. use, it, it goes on like toothpaste. It's so smooth and you can do that. And then now you're not having to deal with all these paints. You don't the
1: paint yeah, the okay, I'm gonna tell a little story if I can. Did I interrupt you? Go for it. All right. So my friend comes to paint my bedroom and he's not phased by the black paint. He's into it because he's a professional painter and he worked like a dog. I mean, he was pouring sweat, working hours every day to get this done, because he only had like a week right. to be here. And uh he said he he is he's built like an ox, even though he's not a big guy. He moved all the stuff out of my room and stubborn me. I said, no, I want I want to sleep in my room. I'll be fine. So we had the bed pulled out from the wall and I slept in that room for two or three nights while it was the black stuff on the walls. Mm-hmm. And it smelled, it smelled like an old Burger King bag with chips, fries in it. And the, you know how the paper and the burgers, it has that, spe- sp- ugh, that like fast food smell. hmm So that's what it smelled like. And it wasn't the greatest smell, but it wasn't that bad. And eventually he put the white paint on, and I got so sick. I got the worst cold flu. I mean, water was streaming out of my nose, my eyes. I was coughing. I was knocked out for like a week because the stuff is toxic. Mm -hmm. that paint so I don't know about this biochar of yours but um if that works in the stucco let me just throw this little bit in red brick is a shielding material so if you live in a red brick house it's already going to be yeah yeah and stucco isn't bad on its own because it has so much silica in it right right so the way that I comprehend what this shielding does if you live in a mountainous area you will hear all the time that cell towers don't transmit signal very far in mountainous areas because the mountains are full of rock and the rock is full of conductive materials silica and ores possibly metals and it interferes with the signal the signal wants to go in a straight line and here's the rock and it deflects it and sends it all different directions so that's how this works mm-hmm. in my understanding which is a very simple layman's understanding that anything that is conductive is going to thwart the passage the the travel um travel trajectory of the signal.
0: Yes. Yes. And anything that's highly dielectric or diamagnetic. So I believe I always I always get my terms mixed up, but um you have essentially diamagnetic ma- materials are um, they essentially will shunt a microwave. So if a microwave any type of square wave is traveling at at um, something like pyrolyzed carbon pyrolyzed carbon is 3 times the diam- has 3 three times the diamagnetic property as bismuth. Bismuth is the most diamagnetic metal that there is. And so um the reason why this paint can be so thin and it doesn't feel toxic to you at all is more than likely it would be an, for it to be a, a paint that could go on in a colloid, I would think it would be a latex ba- a base paint, so water-based, so you probably didn't get any fumes from that at all, but the second you put the paint on top of that, you know, it was probably had a different base, it could have been an oil-based paint, and that would have, like, fumed. No, but-
1: no, the, we used latex, it was the carbon paint that was off, off gassing or whatever I thought you and said the I carbon
0: was, I thought you said the carbon one was you were fine with. It was the secondary one,
1: no, it took me a couple of days to get sick,
0: ah, i miss I misinterpreted what you were saying,
1: yeah, no, no. i I was in that room for two or three nights when it was all black and uh-huh. smelly. So yeah, no, it was definitely that because i've been I've painted for years, you know? I mean, You go through your, you do your whole house. You do a lot of it yourself. I've never gotten sick from just pure latex paint. This stuff, this stuff was bad. So I have, I would say if you're going to paint your bedroom, you got to move out. Don't sleep in there. And you have to be prepared to spend a lot of money on paint to cover it because that is black paint. You know, so you have to put a thick coat of primer and then your cover paint. Right. Um,
0: I'm. I'm, (laughs) I'm totally going to do all my stucco work with biochar in it. I've done a couple of podcasts with uh, people that are like biochar nuts that have put biochar into their concrete work and have trimeters and you like, you can't walk into a room that's done with that and use your cell phone. Like there's no cell phone signal in
1: it. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, cell phones are very, very sensitive, and they will receive signal even when your meter tells you there's no signal in that area. That's how they're designed. And I'm going to say something. In If you're using this black paint, this carbon shielding paint, you have to ground the paint. Okay? This is a very important thing.
0: What? I never it's heard that.
1: Oh, Yeah they won't sell you the paint without um, explaining to you how to ground it. So I was going to mention that to you. In your case, you're doing it on the outside, but, uh, I know of somebody who used the shielding paint in his room and didn't ground it and slept in there. And he basically turned it into an electrical oven and he started to cook himself. He became very, very ill because that's a conductive paint and it draws the electric fields out of the wiring and the fields like where you have a wire running through your wall, it's going to put out an electric field. But if you have a conductive film on that whole wall and the ceiling, That electric field is going to travel, it's going to swirl all over your room and you're going to make an oven, an electrical oven for yourself. We're not talking about heat, we're talking about current, right? Mm -hmm. So what you have to do with this paint is you have to run a piece of tape, conductive tape along the ceiling or floor of your room. You have to tie all the surfaces together so you run this tape, they sell you the tape, and then you make an outlet, special outlet. I used an earth ground, but you can do a house ground as well. And mm-hmm. you run that tape right into the outlet. They give you a special little um, plate and you you just, there are good instructions. Once you study it, you'll get how to do it. Mm-hmm. So you have to ground the paint and that you have to run that electric field out down to the ground.
2: Mm-hmm. That's so when awesome. You're,
1: yeah, when you're doing the stucco outside, you're pulling the field in the other direction. You're pulling yes. it to the outside, right?
0: Precisely, it's reflective.
1: Yeah. So, in when you do the interior, you're pulling the field in, and it's swimming in along the contiguous surfaces of the box that you've you've shielded. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you're doing the house, then you're going to be pulling it to the other side, so it might not be so bad. You might not need to ground, but if you're going to do shielding in a paint method, you have to ground it.
0: So this 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 is wonderful segue into well, It's actually kind of combining what we started talking about with grounding. So where where I built the majority of my homes are in an area where the we have a lot of clay, a lot of bauxite clay. So like in this chart right here, it says aluminum, like aluminum silicate is bauxite. And so most of the homes I was building were over paramagnetic earth that had a, a lot of water saturation. And the power companies were telling me that you can't just ground, like you just can't put you know, a nice brass pole in the ground and connect it and have it actually do, actually ground out the, the system. So what they were doing was, is they, they would have us dig a 12 inch diameter hole, backfill it with calcium bentonite clay and salt. And then put essentially what looks like, you know, those old chain link fence posts, you know, uh, essentially a galvanized post down in the ground, fill that with salt and then solder the connection of the ground from that to um, to whatever it was going to. And I watched them do this because they figured out all the years of having these crazy, you know, tropical thunderstorms. That their transformers were getting lit up like left, right, and center. It was pretty much because those transformers weren't grounded correctly. So they devised this system, and now they they weren't getting ground faults anymore. And so, we did that in the system, and then the the dirty the the dirty electricity in one of the old buildings that was on the farm when we redid the ground, the 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 meter was like. I think it was going at like one third the activity that it was before we had fixed the ground. Mm. Isn't that interesting?
1: Yes, I know that ground is different everywhere, yeah, and we have um granite bedrock and we have a creek as well in the bottom of the canyon. So That's- I think, yeah, I think this is good ground, but not. I don't know that it's, you're talking about something that seems highly conductive, right? So I don't know that. I mean, it sounds extremely specific. Well, but, it, I mean, if the transformers aren't blowing out in this neighborhood, then I'm assuming it's all right.
0: Yeah, I think the majority of, as you get away from the, a lot, the tropics are essentially big paramagnetic sinks. Because yes. of the way the volcanoes work and all the clay. It's essentially just clay and a lot of uh, magnetite, <laughs> and the magnetite's iron oxide mixed with aluminum silicate. So that's it. You're right. That's different. Like up here where I am in the Ozarks, the land it, we're over limestone. We're essentially over a, a massive limestone shelf. So it's a totally different type of of energetic body here. I, I bet it's much easier to ground in this environment. And where I grew up in Florida, which was just a huge uh, coral shelf, essentially, you know, between the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic, that was like there was so much uh, quartz sand there On certain beaches you would lay on the quartz sand and because quartz, I don't know, has some time element to it. I would feel like it it would be literally trippy, like (laughs) it was like. I I don't know if my body's grounding, but it was definitely this like super interesting energetic pattern that uh, we would perceive. And and it was kind of cool because all the top beaches in the world, people are essentially walking on quartz sand. Mm -hmm. Are the beaches out in California where you are? Are they quartz? Is it like a a quartz or silica? Like, do you know what it is?
1: Silica. I mean, we have the nice soft sand.
2: Ah, so nice. Um,
1: but here's the thing. Naturally grounding is and that's what we were designed to do is to be barefoot, to be with skin
2: mm-hmm. in
1: contact with the earth. And that's fairly easy to do, but it's inconvenient in our modern lives. Now we mm-hmm. live in raised buildings off the ground. We have asphalt sealing our roads. If you're on a concrete sidewalk or a dirt path, and you're wearing leather shoes you are picking up the earth's electrons mm-hmm. um, if you're barefoot if you're gardening you have your hands in the soil that's why people are so fond of gardening it's very relaxing yeah. and these electrons electrons enable you to do a lot of repairs because coating your all your fascia fascia is the interstitial material that mm-hmm. the connective tissue of your body and that is bathed in a film, a colloidal film called ground substance. This is what they call it. It's like a gel. And when you pick up electrons from nature, you, you bank them in that ground substance. And that ground substance is in contact with every single tissue in your body. And so all those electrons that you just picked up at the beach, or even if you go in a swimming pool, Or a lake, because swimming pools, if they're in ground, are sunk in gunite bases with steel frames. So you're picking up a ton of electrons, you're grounding when you're swimming. And yes, I know there's chlorine in the water and all of that, but you're still getting the benefit of a free electron transfer. Mm -hmm. And so you get all those electrons, you go home at night and your body does repairs out of where they're banked in the ground substance. So that's very important to health. And um, Clint Ober was a television technician who, I don't know how long ago, I would guess over a decade ago, 15 years maybe, discovered that people could receive biological benefit, health benefits, from grounding through wall outlets to their house ground. Because every building, as you've explained, is grounded. Mm -hmm. It has a copper ground rod. Or it has a C-clamp, copper C-clamp attached to the incoming water main from the water department, which is copper. So your house has to be grounded. It's all part of electrical um, circuitry. And you can ground as well through your outlets. We have now the modern electrical outlet has a third opening in it. Besides the two openings for the hot and the neutral, there is a round opening for the ground um, pin on your plug. But the problem is that some outlets are not properly wired, some outlets are faulty, um, some wiring is faulty. So I, I do not sell grounding equipment on my website. If anybody, I have grounding equipment, I know how to ground and I can do a personal, you know, hand holding um, for any customer or person that wants to try it. But I'm not just going to put it up on the website. It's, it's, too, it requires too much support and explanation.
0: I think you're smart. So- I think you're smart with not doing that because to do a, you know, for years I did what, you know was taught by electricians to do and then it took an education and like wondering why you know it it just takes an education because I think a lot of the old you were explaining earlier like how our bodies haven't gotten used to all this excess Mm -hmm. electricity that's in our in our field it's the same thing with the ground like the the a lot of these electrical companies in other countries, they would actually send the return current through the ground. They can't do that anymore. They they have to. Everybody's trying to like uh, like understand exactly how to deal with all these extra signals is probably the best way I could say it. Mm
1: -hmm. So I think
0: the I think the art of grounding is actually evolving.
1: Yeah, that used to be called stray voltage. And there are some people who still insist that it's out there. And you would read of, uh, you know, cows in pastures in the Midwest that would develop illnesses and die. And that was because there was electrical current being returned to the substation in the ground on which they stood. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, you have to be very, very careful. I tell people, if you want to ground through grounding, you All of the commercial grounding from earthing.com has a 100,000 ohm resistor built into it. And a lot like if you buy grounding stuff from less EMF, it's going to come without resistance. And that's where you know you really are um, playing with whatever your luck is, whatever that outlet is like Mm -hmm. that you're grounding into. If there's no resistance in your grounding system, then you're going to get whatever's in that, Um, whatever's, whatever that outlet connects to. So I don't, this is the whole thing. I, I have grounding systems with resistance, without resistance. And um, I just like to work with people personally on this because it's not, not a good idea to just throw it out there and let people do it themselves.
0: I agree with you. There, there's a massive, massive learning curve to all of this and you know i i've been aware of this i guess you say this field of study for 17 years and even even i feel like i'm just now getting to a point of being somewhat okay with like describing to people because then you have to get specific with people especially if you're building for them you have to be like okay We have to take a soil sample we have to know the building like all these different things one thing that you, yeah because they
1: messed it up for us you know in the old days you wouldn't have to do this you could build your log cabin and you could send your little um you know little pumpkin kids out there running barefoot and everybody would go to sleep healthy at night because they would have taken in electrons during the day and guess what today we are off the earth for the whole day so if you choose to ground at night you're at least getting hours and hours of electron return that you didn't get during the day
0: right so do you like those or i know that you essentially shielded your entire bedroom do you like mm-hmm. the ground have you ever slept with like a grounding blanket or grounding mat or anything like that i
1: have designed my own
0: That's oh great what i use
1: yes but i don't use the commercial stuff um i my friend went through a thorough investigation of all of it, and he and I came up with our own and I worked with a machinist and got optional resistance put in and so I have more flexibility in the stuff that it's not on my site. nope, it's not on there, and it's yeah. never going to be on there so because it's just too hard, I just don't want any Yahoo. You know, buying this and then not having a problem with it. So right. I have to have have a good relationship with whoever I'm teaching to ground. Let's just put it that way.
0: Yes. Well, that's just the that's the most intelligent way to go about it. Well, this mm-hmm. is wonderful, Sophia. Um, I'm going to go ahead and link everybody to your to your pages and. Um, can I go ahead and like make the suggestion that people reach out to you and you can kind of vet them whether or not they're well
1: for grounding I would say I I encourage people to really look into it themselves for a long time before they decide they want to do it I can't have a huge influx of people reaching out to me because then I'm going to get all I'm just going to work with like one person at a time but the dirty electricity and the RF yes that you can buy right off the site and I'll have a brief consultation with you um, to show you how to use it and to teach you like in the case of the RF meter what the different sounds mean so that when you get signal you pick it up you know what's wi-fi you know what's a cell tower you know what's a cell phone you know what's a cordless phone all that all of them have different sounds but can i direct you to the sun and skin well actually go to yes. my home page home top left menu I it. yeah okay so if you scroll oh yeah you're on it so scroll down a little more sorry a little more i just want to point out the miracle there miracle 2 body lotion this stuff is amazing this is a big bottle. It looks expensive, but it's a huge bottle. Mm-hmm. And once you start using this, um, you won't use another lotion. And this is all I use. And you can take a jar and you can squeeze some of this into a jar and you can add a couple of drops of essential oil. And I have like 10 or 12 different types of essential oil. And I can make a really good combination. is lemongrass and coconut together. Mm-hmm. Or you can do rose or e.lang e.lang or whatever you want. You know, um, bergamot is a really nice one for men. Or just use the stuff straight. But you can make the best body lotion scented out of this that's your own creation. And so I just started carrying this um, Miracle 2 lotion. It's incredible.
0: Wonderful. I'll give it a, I'll give it a good look-see. This is a different CalMag, NutriPlex formulas.
1: That's a very good formula. I was um, turned on to it by a nutritionist. And that has a four to one proportion of calcium to magnesium, which is more like that of our own body. Most of the um, combos you get are two to one. So this is something you can crunch, you can chew. And um, it's good.
0: Hmm. I don't take any calcium supplements, but I do take magnesium. You you always got me on the iodine-magnesium kick forever. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that you need to take calcium? I know for women, uh, women definitely usually have more of a, a need to, to take calcium. Well,
1: but- look, somebody sent me these CalMag tablets, and I started taking them, and I liked them, and I thought, all right, I'm going to sell them. So Perfect. I am just, you know, I, if I like something, I sell it.
2: That's yes.
1: Kind of a, I don't just <laughs> sell anything. People can't just sell, tell me, oh, this is good. You should sell it. And I don't have a huge selection. And I'm going to actually thin it down a little bit more. So the G seat on to the right. Yes. It's under the body and posture page. That's an amazing product. Um, you can go to the Body and Posture page or click click Picture to see more.
0: Body and Posture.
1: In the middle of the top menu. Got it. Okay. So that thing, they have a new model, the Elite. It's right there. And that is really amazing. It's a cross between their huge one, the Ultra, which I'm not carrying right now because this Elite is so good. Mm-hmm. And um, the Classic. And... Again, I know the people who invented this. I met them just by chance. I bought one of these from them and I was stunned. I had a misaligned hip. It was very painful for me to sit and drive for even 10 minutes. And when I bought one of these, I was able to go to LA, which I had been putting off. I had a number of things to do there. And that meant, you know, two hours driving there all day from here to there to here to there and then two hours back. And I hadn't wanted to do it because 10 minutes in the car with my hip issue was too much. And I got one of these and I did six hours in the car the next week and I didn't have a peep of difficulty.
0: That's wonderful. Now, you got to talk to the inventors and get them to ground it.
1: (laughs) well no because you're wearing you know clothes and no
0: no i'm being being you
1: can ground in your car you can ground to the car frame and these electric cars you know like the tesla and the prius they have a lot of electric field in them
0: they're They're not a
1: healthy environment i know
0: no no no. i took a trimeter to my friend's tesla First of all, he can never get his Tesla fixed. They have like a year waiting list to get them fixed. And <laughs> A lot of people don't know that.
1: Fixed? But, What's wrong with it?
0: Oh, they have all these electrical issues because of what we're talking about. They're, they're not built well at all. The gaps...
1: So what, I mean, they work, right? You could drive them.
0: He had a... His had a, a charging issue. You know, they all end up having like failures with charging um, one way That's or another. Bad.
1: They're so expensive. It's 30000 to replace the battery in it.
0: The whole thing is a scam. Like from front to end. Let's put it this way. Every person I know that has bought a Tesla will not buy another one. Really? Nope. They won't do oh. it. Oh, well, their customer several... service is horrid. There's no one that can fix them. That's the thing. Any mechanic in the world... Well, I shouldn't say any. That's that's not true. There's any, any normal car, any gasoline car, what I try and tell them is like for every gallon of gasoline that you hold in your hand, that's 4.7 kilowatts of energy. There's no way that you can say a thousand pound battery that gives you 80 kilowatts is more efficient than a 20 gallon tank of gas. It's just not. Because the embodied energy that it took to actually make that 1,000-pound, 80-kilowatt battery is so much greater than the entire life cycle of a normal gasoline car. But people don't understand what embodied energy means. They're just sold on, oh, it's electric. And I'm like, that electricity has to come from somewhere. It's not like magically, cleanly made and delivered to, to these things. And we started our conversation off talking about these inverters. So when you have a solar system or you have one of these charging stations in your house, it's essentially this massive inverter. It's changing the electri- electricity from one, one type of wave to another type of wave. And it gives off crazy amount of EMF. And these motors, all these electric motors-
1: around the around the charging site. Is that where it gives off the EMFs? Okay. Well,
0: both. No, like where I almost said his name. That was bad. My friend who has, he has a, I forget which Tesla model it is. It's the really expensive one. So as motors in the front, in the back. And so where the motor is in the front is essentially right, but but right where the gas pedal is, right?
1: Okay. I see. So in the car. Yeah. Okay.
0: They're brutal. the, 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 the if you ever get a chance with one of your meters to do that, to go inside one of these electrical cars and test it, I'd be very interested to see what you find.
1: Well, I would have to get another Gauss meter because mine is very, it's chancy. Some days it seems to work and some days it, no, actually I have another Gauss meter. I forgot. I bought one. Okay. I'll do that. But the thing is, My neighbors, I have several neighbors who have Teslas, and I only Mm -hmm. know one couple well, and they tell me that they don't spend a lot of time. They're elderly. They don't go far. Right. So underneath the G-seat elite, that's the bigger model now. Go a little (laughs) bit underneath it, and you'll see the G-seat light. Mm -hmm. That's for, I would say, women and people who are a little more um, not as big framed, and that's a little cheaper. Yes, and then there's the magnesium cream right underneath it for yes. pain relief. Excellent product, and that's made by a a biochemist that I know. And I also sell gel, magnesium gel, mm-hmm. and spray. Yeah, And those are all on the body and posture page because that's where people have body body issue. People come, you know. Yeah,
0: well, Sophia, it's always such a joy to reconnect with you. I always appreciate the chance to 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 talk and see what's on your mind. I, I have to update my my uh, snail mail contribution to your endeavors. And um, I really look forward to our next conversation.
1: Well, I'm working on a good newsletter now. I'm a bit slow. It's the June, July issue, and it will be mailed in early August, which is tomorrow. Wonderful. Yeah, so I'm gonna do my best. It says, I always try to connect. Jack Cruz says in his talk, he says, you look at information that's already out there and you connect it in ways that haven't been done before. And I realized that's what I try to do with my newsletters. So it takes a while to make those connections make sense to other people. So that my newsletter is not cut and pasted news, okay? Uh, There was a charming couple in LA who ordered my newsletter and it's a personal essay type thing okay mm-hmm. and they received a couple of issues and then she calls me up and she goes but Sophia we like to have news and I said no this isn't news this is a new way of looking at things but they well, did get it
0: you synthesize better than anybody out there you have a very critical oh. eye and I really
1: appreciate it well, thank you, Christopher. Thank you very much, and I'm glad that you taught me what you did about the biochar.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm going to because... send you some.
1: All I'll, right, don't I'll send, send you... a lot because well, I I'm going to stick it somewhere, and then I I won't know what it is. I'll put it with my Y shield. I'll tape it onto the the can.
0: Yeah, do that. Like, you know, it's it's such a fun material because you can literally break it down to the finest powder imaginable. And, you know, you could take that powder. I've done this with tape just to show people I would sprinkle it on clear tape, just a real mm-hmm. fine dust of it. And then I would tape that around things that were emitting frequencies and then it you won't pick up a signal. Wow, and I know that's why I'm laughing at the cost of these paints, because I know in reason, probably they there's maybe like four or five dollars worth of biochar in that in a in wow. a, that's it. It doesn't well, the
1: paint comes from Europe. It's made in Germany. So there's that transport cost, which is very expensive because paint is heavy, all right? It is that's true. And so that might be part of it. And then there's the markup on the part of the seller here, the distributor here. And um, you know what I'll do,
0: I'll make Mm. a video where I'll buy this stuff just to test it and use that as my, as my um, what's it called? The control in the test.
1: And then you're wrong.
0: then I'll just buy some, you know, regular latex paint and mix the biochar I make into it and mix it up. And then we'll see if if it has the same properties.
1: Well, what are you going to paint it on to test?
0: I have an old house that I bought, an old farmhouse that needs a lot of paint.
1: Okay. Is it electric electrified? I mean, do you have active um, voltage running through it now? Yes. Oh, well, then you're going to have to ground the paint.
0: Oh, I'm gonna do this on the outside first. I lo- I love doing everything from the outside. Plus, I- I'll do panels first. I'll just do panels to test where mm. where I can bring them inside or outside. I can do I can I can I essentially have a blank canvas of area that I can do all this work in.
1: Well, here's the other thing: you could paint the room and not ground the paint just to test it. It's mm-hmm. only you need to ground it if you're going to be living in that environment. Yes, I mean, just. Do the paint and then, but remember you have to do the ceiling and the floor. You have, you need an RF meter to find out where's, what's the signal in there? Where is it coming from?
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to order once my budget hits, gets there. I'm going to order all that from you.
1: All right. I can get you the paint because I became a dealer at this place.
0: Oh, so, great. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna have some fun times doing these testing because I do, you know, I've done testing just with straight biochar and I've had great results with it. Um so I'm looking forward. I've never tested the paint, but I've had other people that I, I know and trust now now that I know you that you've done it also, that have used it and it's worked very well for them. So I want I kind of I don't want to spend the big money on buying all this paint if I could make no. it.
1: If you can make it and it works, why not? You know, right. but it's good to have some to test. Definitely. And also, I have a, a grounding tester, which, if you're interested, I don't have that on the site yet because I'm Ooh. not sending selling grounding materials. But it's a tester that shows you whether you're grounded or not.
0: Please, I, I that's something I really do need because I the. <laughs> I've been doing everything from an anecdotal perspective on the on the I guess you would say the back side of the system. Yes. So uh, to have a grounding tester would really make my life much simpler.
1: Yes, I will. Well, let's talk. Um, you should call me. I'll email you, and I'll give you my number, and you call me, and then I will explain this. But here's what's interesting. I was told by someone that you can ground like on the earth outside or my patio is slate in wool or cotton or silk socks. And I I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. And I tried it now that I have an actual tester that shows me when I'm grounded or not. And oh, yes, my socks, I'm grounded. So that material, I don't know if it means that, you know, the material has to be slightly moist with the moisture of your feet, because I heard that. But you can just put dry socks on and you'll ground.
0: Do you know if al alpaca wool does that?
1: All wool will do it. Yes.
0: So check this out. You'll all hair. You'll laugh at this.
1: Okay, I'm only receiving your voice from one um
0: Oh, it one. did that again?
1: Yeah, it, one it's a it's a one-sided. mono. It's mono on one side. That's so weird.
0: It keeps doing that. I don't know why. So
1: it's not me. It's you, Yep, right?
0: Yeah, it's me. This is like the third time in a row that's done that.
1: Okay. Well, anyway, we're at the end. Just
0: letting
1: me <laughs> you know.
0: So with wool, in and of itself, um, I had read, I think it, I might have heard you talk about, no, it wasn't you. I had heard that in in China, they used to use silk as one of the ways that they would filter water. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's really cool because I look at all these water filtration systems and I put in a pretty nice filtration system in my house. And I was like, you know, I don't know about all this paper, like all the paper filter stuff. So I went ahead and made my own biochar filter and I've been testing it where I, I made my biochar. And then what I did was I bought these alpaca wool socks and <laughs> I, I just, I just retrofitted the filter that came with the system with this. I essentially made a cylinder of alpaca, two cylinders of alpaca wool and filled it with biochar. And I don't have anything coming through my water. Like there's no parts per million. And so it's obviously working. Um, I I thought it was a pretty ingenious thing to do, but there's something when I heard the thing about silk and then I heard you talk to somebody else about the wool there's something with these natural fibers these really fine natural fibers that that do something special
1: yeah but we don't know if that's has anything to do with their grounding capability or not i mean it just could be the pure on the level of fiber itself you know the density how many fibers there are per you know, square millimeter, I don't know. I mean, it's serving as a mesh, but right. it might also be acting as a trap of some kind is I think what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not smart enough to know the answer to that, but it's very good to have these anecdotal experiences mm-hmm. and then to go on those. I mean, this is how man evolved. This was through anecdotal experience, right? Right. And that yeah, is I just... shared.
0: I think when you say, because to me, there's something with this, this secrets to all of electricity that we don't really understand yet. (laughs) We have descriptions for like the, the 5% that we do perceive. So like when you say you can wear wool and go outside and be standing on something and be and ground to me, on your
1: feet, on your feet, not on your, not your pants or anything.
0: (laughs) No, I understand. You're wearing these wool socks and you'll ground. It makes so much sense to me that there's something also electrical electrical that's occurring in these natural fibers because the best filtration systems I know, the reason why I went to using the alpaca wool in my system was I I knew I know that there there's something in this natural fiber that is electric. There's some there's okay. an electrical component to it.
1: And that's what's causing it to grab. Okay, so we started this conversation talking about Jack Cruz, and I'm annoyed with myself that I, I digressed and wandered way off it. But Jack Cruz tells us in that show at about 23 minutes, he starts talking about how the eye, so do you know what the vitreous humor is in the eye? No, I don't. Every, every eyeball contains this jelly. If you ever dissected an eye, it has this funky jelly in inside it that's called vitreous humor Mm -hmm. and um sometimes you can see if you look up at a surface you'll see bubbles that kind of float around and they're actually that's bubbles in the vitreous humor of your eye okay in that internal jelly and that internal jelly vitreous humor is full of the aromatic amino acids um the three that I know of, he names another one histidine, but tyrosan, tyrosine, tryptophan, and phenylalanine. Why are these important? They are called aromatic amino acids. We get them from plants and bacteria. Mm-hmm. Only plants and bacteria make them through an an organic process that I think is seven steps called the shikimate pathway. Mm-hmm. And glyphosate shuts off the shikimate pathway in plants and bacteria. Okay. Yes. So when we eat the standard diet and we don't, we're not selective in what we eat, and we're taking in a lot of glyphosate. It means that we are not getting the aromatic amino acids. We're not getting tyrosine, tryptophan, and phenylalanine. So. Jack Cruz tells us that the eyeball, the vitreous humor, the jelly in the eyeball, is full of these amino acids, and each one of them has benzene in it. Each one of those amino acids has an ingredient of benzene, a benzene um, ingredient, Mm -hmm. and benzene is a ring-formed molecule. There was a famous scientist who was sitting in front of a fire and he was dozing and he saw he saw in his pre-dream state the ring form of benzene, and he was correct. So benzene is a ring, and that ring serves as a trap for for UV light, mm. photons, and it traps UV frequencies. So here's the thing. If you don't get aromatic amino acids... If you're taking in glyphosate, and it's not allowing your body to receive aromatic amino acids, you're not trapping UV frequencies. And that begins a cascade of metabolic breakdown. Mm. That's how important light is.
2: Yes. Right? Well, the eye
1: ex- is receiving it. That makes it's so- being taken everywhere in your body. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: That makes so much sense. Um, I don't know if you've ever done any sun gazing, but i found whenever I've had an irregularity in my sight, if early in the morning, like before the sun is getting too strong, if I actually am with the sun and like relax my eyes and let really receive the light, it's about receiving it. There's, there's a correction that will occur in my sight. That's pretty significant. And um, that's wonderful that, that, they're describing essentially that process
1: doggy it's okay
0: sorry my dog's a little bit nervous right now um that makes so much sense to me
1: well that's only a fragment that's one little fragment i got out of that talk this is a dense man um he's lost (laughs) some weight but he's still dense (laughs) in terms of how his brain works you know and he you can buy his books um i've managed to scrounge up this presentation which is from 2017 so he's known this for a long time anyway all right that's good and thank you very much and I hope this didn't wander too much for people no
0: it it didn't it didn't I'll do my little edits here and there and I'll send it to you and uh, I look forward to talking to you on the phone and we'll get the grounding meter and all the rest of it
1: yeah the grounding tester yes okay very good thank you Christopher
0: my pleasure to
1: all the listeners
0: you have a wonderful afternoon.
1: Thank you, and now your little dog won't be so nervous.
0: I know, it's because I have I have people outside, so she she's like wanting to bark and I won't let her.
1: Oh, well that's good that you can tell her not to bark and she listens.
0: Yeah, she just will whine, that's all.
1: Okay, all right. Thank you a, so much for the interview.
0: You too, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed our podcast with Sophia Smallstorm. Check out Avatar products. Um, She's one of those people. I only have two of them in my life that have whenever they make a recommendation. I just I just do it because everything that they've ever recommended to me is gold. And she is one of those. She got me on the iodine years ago and it really changed a lot to do with issues that I had with my neck. And I believe with my um, I forget whatever that is, the thyroid gland and her magnesium products throughout the years have been wonderful for me. And so getting into the the EMF remediation on her site, it's something that if you're doing, if you have a health kick going on at all, you really have to pay attention to to the EMF that's around you. I'm working on building structures that has all of this remediation already in it. When we build our new home, we're gonna fully shield the building. And we're doing other things. Um, uh, (laughs) we're, We're just doing a lot to ensure, I guess, the electrical ecosystem is conducive to health for our bodies. So I'm gonna do some experimentation with the biochar that I'm making and seeing if I can shield my smart meter. See how long it takes for the power company to come out and yell at me. (laughs) I'm essentially gonna cocoon it um, and see what happens. And uh, yeah, anything that you can do uh, on a simplistic level of like getting, getting your bare feet on the ground for at least 20 minutes a day, jumping into big bodies of water, um, even massaging your mate like all those types of things that all that type of stuff will really help you your health span um, part of being resilient is having a having a health span having a, the capacity to do work and feel good m- with the locomotion of your body for as long as possible and that's something I really like to impart uh, through these podcasts so thank you for joining us as always Please check out TopherHQ.com. There's a donations page if you feel like contributing. I'm always uh, for that reciprocal nature of consciousness. We have uh, lots of really good guests. Um, I don't know when I'm gonna actually post this particular interview, but uh, I find that I'm gonna be able to be speaking to one of my uh, very long-held guests I guess you would say I'm sort of a fanboy of Joseph P Farrell. I've read a few of his books years ago and uh, we're, we're going to be interviewing him. And then also, gosh, who else is on the docket? Like I said, I don't know when to say what because <laughs> I don't know when I'm posting this, but I really appreciate you guys giving, giving me eyes when you can. Share it with your peeps and uh, get people to come to the chat because our chat is becoming this wonderful, uh, you know, clearinghouse for people to share uh, and brainstorm. Let's brainstorm it up. Telegram is awesome for that. So I believe it's the Biocharisma podcast chat. And uh, yeah, check that out. So thank you again. And I will see you
2: next week. You ought to know. Well, now you. You ought to know by now. You ought to know. Well, now you. You ought to know by now.